more self-consumed we become. And our culture is bending in that direction with every generation. We're becoming the more, more, a more self-consumed culture, really moment by moment almost. In fact, you, I, I've pointed this out many times. How many, how many commercials do you see on TV that tells you this is what you deserve? You deserve this car. You deserve to weigh this much. You deserve to drop 30 pounds. You deserve to, to, to live in this house. You deserve to have this hair color. Your hair, your hair should shine like this. Everybody should. You deserve this. This is, this is in the nature of, 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 of who you are and what, what, what you're entitled to. And by nature, we are self-consumed individuals. We come into this world consumed with ourselves. So we have to unlearn those habits if we're going to pick up something else. And so he says to us today, my forgiveness is because you are bent to sin. You're, you're consumed with sin and consumed with self. You don't have to try to sin. You don't have to try to be selfish. You are that way. We're, you're born with that nature. And he says, my nature is to forgive all of that. It's to forgive your self-consumption. It's to forgive your sin. It's to forgive the, the ways you, you are consumed with yourself, consumed with your own world. Um, here's the beauty in this passage, too, though. It's not only in his power to forgive. It's his desire to forgive. You see, he doesn't do it just because he has to. It is in the nature of who he is, but he does it because he wants to, because of his love for us. He is forgiving, a forgiving God. If you hear, or if you, O oh Lord, keep a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, with you, there's forgiveness. Every time, over and over and over. It's the, it's the nature of who he is. We have to work at it. You and I have to work at forgiving each other. Sometimes forgiving, each, forgiving someone else, depending on the sin and the, or the hurt or the damage and, or the mileage in between, the, in, in between that action, you and I have to work at forgiveness. It's hard. We, we, we make ourselves forgive because we know we should. We know it's right. We know what the Scripture says. But it's, it's difficult for us. It isn't for him. It's easy for him. In fact, it boggles my mind how easy forgiveness is for him, especially when you consider the work of Christ at the cross and the bloodshed we're going to see that in just a moment in the past in, in Hebrews 9 about how, how forgiveness is tied to the blood of Christ. When I see and understand the blood of Christ and his forgiveness for my sin, and I saw that he saw that even before creation, that that would be the requirement for, my, for the forgiveness of my sin, that, was, that would be in the nature of who he is, what he is wired to do. blows me away. It should you too. You, you should understand that the fact that, the, that, that forgiveness is in God's DNA, it's in the nature of who he is, makes it easy for him to forgive you, not hard. Now, the enemy tells us otherwise. The enemy says, okay, this little thing over here, and this, he'll forgive that. The thing you said last week, he'll forgive that. But not that. Not that. Not what you said to her. Not how you, yeah, he'll forgive. Well, what about, you don't know about, you know, he does know about those things too, and he forgives those things even in advance of them being uh, disobedient on our part. Um, we have to work at it. He doesn't. It's in the nature of who he is. It is, it is in his nature to forgive us. Real forgiveness is in God's DNA. <coughs> Secondly, here's a passage in Second Chronicles that, that I'm sure many of you are familiar with. Real forgiveness follows real humility. Second, second, humility. Second, uh, humidity. <laughs> yeah, that too, maybe, this time of year. Um, second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face... And turn from their wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. If my people will, what does he say? Will humble themselves and pray. Find, find themselves in a place of humility and a, place, and a posture of prayer. What's this verse say? Is he saying that God will not forgive someone who thinks that they deserve forgiveness? Well, 
He's certainly implying that if he's not saying that directly. He's saying humility is the vehicle to forgiveness. So if we come to him and, and to say, God, I deserve forgiveness. Forgive me for this because I, 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 I'm, or in some, in some ways, demanding your forgiveness because uh, I'm worthy of your forgiveness. He said, no, no, I don't honor that. I honor your humility. I, for, I forgive when you humble yourself and find yourself in a posture of prayer. Um, is it because we are entitled to forgiveness that we receive it? No. It's because of his love. And as I said, it, it is who he is. It's in his nature that he forgives us. If we're too proud to humble ourselves, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to be straight up and honest with you. If we are too proud to humble ourselves, he is too just to overlook that. When we are too proud to say, God, I need forgiveness. I come to you again. Forgive me. I accept your forgiveness. I accept your work at the cross as being complete and eternal forgiveness for my sin. When I humble myself before you, God responds to our humility. When we come to him entitled, he is too just to forgive the entitled person. And that, 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 not just that, but we'll see more in just a moment of, of what, how he looks at forgiveness and how he frames it for us. Uh, so then who, the question becomes, who's worthy of forgiveness? According to this passage, none of us until we humble ourselves before him. So, why do we act as though we deserve it? Why, why do we act? Why, why is, the, is it in the nature of who we are to think, well, God is God, and he is good, and he is forgiving, and his mercy endures forever, the scripture says. So he'll forgive. So why should I be concerned with my sin if I'm not concerned with God's forgiveness? Why should I, should, why should I quantitatively and qualitatively be concerned with my level of disobedience in my sin if God is ever forgiving? And he is. But, we see the brokenness of ourselves when we, when we see the forgiveness of God. That's, that's, what, that's what should bring us to our knees and humble us to say, I don't deserve God's forgiveness. He, he forgives in spite of my disobedience, in spite of my sin, in spite of who I am. Um, this, he, he's talking here as, as well in Second Chronicles 7 that, that, ve- that the, 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 the vehicle to forgiveness is the first step actually toward repentance because he says, not only will I, uh, people who humble themselves and pray, and this third thing is, and turn from their wicked ways. So he says that the vehicle to forgiveness, the vehicle to, or, or to, to forgiveness is the vehicle to repentance. And that's exactly what God is up to. That's why he forgives, is to renew us, to cleanse us, and clean our mind up in the sense that I don't want to head this way anymore. I, I, want, I want repentance. I want a turning away from, that, from the, the nature of who I'm meant to be and, and walking in nature of who he's wired me, who he's wired me and destined and, and determined and, 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 and given for me to be. God, you see, repentance is God's ultimate desire and forgiveness in the first place. All the way back to the garden and to today. God desires in forgiveness for you and I to see our lostness, to see our need for forgiveness and turn. And turn from, from sin and turn from selfishness and turn from self-consumption and to him. If we turn from that and we see that repentance in, in, in action, he says, that, that is in, in essence humbling yourselves before me. Your repentance says that, I, that, that you're, 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 the, what you want is less important than what I want for you. And so as we see ourselves turning and repenting, humility is the vehicle to that forgiveness that, that makes that possible. Real forgiveness follows real humility. Thirdly, turn to Matthew chapter 6. And we find here that real forgiveness depends on our own ability to forgive. Look at what he says in verse 14 and 15, Matthew chapter 6. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. If you forgive, your Father forgives you. 
What's the Lord Jesus up to here? He's teaching us that no one's forgiveness is, no, is, is more important than anyone else's. That our forgiveness is no more important than their forgiveness. And it is to say, when God forgives me, I in turn am supposed to forgive those around me and near me and who have wronged me. And even, even in advance, he says, if when you forgive others, I forgive you. There is this correlation between our, our willingness to lay ourselves down, humble ourselves, and forgive someone else who has wronged us and God's forgiveness to us. There's this correlation here that he's drawing in Matthew 6 that's clear. He's saying, how dare we think forgiveness comes in, in some kind of hierarchy? How, how dare we think that, that we are more or less worthy than someone else? He's saying, listen, you're unworthy of the forgiveness I'm giving you. Now, whether or not you think the one who needs forgiven by you is worthy or not, I think they're worthy of your forgiveness. And so go ahead and forgive them. He, and there is, I'm going to tell you, the enemy attacks that left and right because he is this one who's, who has created in our mind. He's the one who still has the scales there. He's the one who puts the goodness and badness scale in our mind and, can, and ha- causes us to carry that around every day. And think, well, I'm better than he is. I'm better than she is. And this goodness scale that, that, that he's placed in our mind causes us to see ourselves self-righteously and see ourselves really worthy of God's forgiveness as opposed to humbling ourselves before him, breaking ourselves before him, coming to perform broken and saying, God, I'm messed up and I need your forgiveness. I need forgiveness over and over and over and over again. And he says, okay, the vehicle of that, not only is it your, 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 your humility, the vehicle of that is you're forgiving someone else. The vehicle of that is stepping beyond where it's comfortable to say, you know, you, you wronged me and it may have been decades ago, but I forgive you for that. And my spirit is, and my spirit is, here again, back to Second Chronicles, my spirit is repentant. My spirit has turned. The nature of who I am is seeing forgiveness differently because my willingness to forgive you has changed the way I see forgiveness and the way I see God's forgiveness of me. So, are you carrying around the weight of unrepentant sin? If you are, I would say the vehicle to, 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 to getting rid of that weight is forgiving those who have wronged you. He's saying here, you'll experience my forgiveness in a more real and relevant way when you forgive someone else who has hurt you or wronged you. Um, now, who is that to you? Whoever that is, the Holy Spirit has just flashed them into your mind. As I said, who is that to you? Some, somebody's flashed in your mind that's hurt you, that said something wrong, bad or wrong or in, incorrect or unkind about you or your kids or your family or someone you care about. And I would submit to you that's the very person you need to forgive. That's the very person that you need to say, listen, I'm tired of carrying this around. I'm, I'm, tired of, I'm tired of the baggage of carrying this around, and I'm going to lay this down today. I want to experience God's forgiveness for me. And in doing so, I want to learn how to forgive others. I've got to do that. I've got to learn to let go of the thing that's been hurting me, that's consumed me, that's eaten my lunch as it relates to forgiveness. It depends on our ability to forgive. Um, and the sooner we learn that, and is it hard? Absolutely it's hard. There's nothing I'm standing up here today telling you that's easy about forgiving someone who's hurt you. But it's Christ-like. That's what God has commanded us to do. And, and who of us are worthy? I mean, how dare we think that we are more worthy of God's forgiveness than they are? Or that we're more worthy of God's forgiveness than they are of our forgiveness? He's saying, if you forgive others, I'll forgive you. You don't forgive others, don't expect to experience my forgiveness. I don't know how to slice it more clearly than that. Yet, by the same token, he's saying, and here's what he knows, is our forgiving them, it frees us and them to understand forgiveness in a deeper way and experience him in a deeper way than we have before. depends on our ability to forgive. What's in God's DNA, real forgiveness follows real humility. 
Real forgiveness depends on our ability to forgive. But fourthly, real forgiveness is really forever. Turn to Hebrews chapter 9. This is the verse I mentioned to you a moment ago. We're going to look at verses 22 to 28 together. What he says here in relation to forgiveness. In fact, Hebrews 9, 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, watch this, there is no forgiveness. It was necessary then for copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor, Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way a high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now, watch this, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. He appeared once for all at the end of the ages, saying what? My sin at the cross, the shed blood at the cross, verse 22. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. There is no forgiveness. My shed blood at the cross was eternal and complete and lacked nothing. It was big enough, deep enough, far enough, far-reaching enough for anything that we've ever experienced before. He says it's forever. It's eternal. Um, remember several weeks ago we talked about atonement and how atonement is, is substitutionary. Is both substitutionary and eternal. If he's saying, I'm, I'm standing in front of you. Here is you and here's your sin. And as God looks at you, he's looking, at, he's looking through the lens of my blood. That, that, that's the atoning of your sin. He says, so that is eternal and substitutionary and it's complete. That's the same idea here in Hebrews 9 to say, the shed blood of Christ completes this process of forgiveness. And basically, he says that that is an eternal completion. It's not something that needs to be done over and over and over again. Just as we sin over and over again, walk away from God and are disobedient over over and over again, and need forgiveness over and over again, he doesn't have to die over and over again to give us forgiveness. He's saying the shed blood of Christ was once for all a complete and total sacrifice for our sin. Uh, That's what's being conveyed here about about this idea of his blood. We're, we're, We're forgiven completely, eternally, and totally, here's what Psalm 103 says about this, and I love this passage. As far as the east is from the west, so he has removed our transgressions from us. Man, what a great life verse to live and walk and knell on your mirror every morning. How forgiven am I? As far as the east is from the west. How far is, or how far is my sin separated from God and me? As far as the east is from the west. He said, I remember those things no more. Blows my mind that God forgives us that deeply and that 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 uh, completely. Uh, <clears throat> but the Bible says he forgives again and again and again and again and again. But you don't know about it. I know, but he does. And it's again and again and again. But what about, yeah, that too. And it's again and again and again and again. Even, <clears throat> even if I'm in habitual sin, yes, again and again and again in habitual sin. Why? Because the blood is a complete sacrifice. Because the blood atones once and for all, and forever. That's, that's deep, deep doctrine to, 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 to most believers because we can't get our minds around the concept of the forgiveness, the completeness of God's forgiveness. But it is that. And it is that because of the blood of Christ shed for us at the cross. It is really a forever 
forgiving, forever forgiveness. A couple of questions here as we wrap up. That's this. One is, what is the enemy continuing to beat you up about that God has already forgiven? What are you allowing him to continue to beat you up about that God has already forgiven? Here's a clue. If you're continuing to carry guilt about whatever it it is, I'm going to tell you every bit of that guilt is coming from the enemy. We looked at several weeks ago how our enemy, the devil, is the master liar. He's he's, He's the master deceiver, the father of every lie. And all guilt comes from him. God doesn't guilt anybody to himself. Hear that. Guilt never comes from God, ever. Every bit of guilt you're harboring and carrying has come from the enemy. So realize where it's coming from and realize where to attack it. If you're guilty, you feel guilty, guess what? It's the enemy that's made you feel guilty, not God. That has been forgiven. Whatever it is that has separated you from God that you think is unforgivable, he's already forgiven. In fact, he's already forgiven over and over and over and over again. But our enemy says, yeah, he'll forgive that, but not that. I mean, he'll forgive that, that unkind thing you said about her, but he won't forgive adultery. He'll forgive that comment and that thought, but he'll never forgive an abortion. He'll for- and what he's, what he's saying in this passage is, listen, it doesn't matter what it is. <laughs> adultery, yeah, he forgives that. Abortion, he forgives that. Child molesters, yes, he forgives that too. I don't like that, do you? But that's in the nature of who God is. He's a forgiver. He says, I don't care what you've done. I don't care how deep your sin is. I don't care how far, how far it stretches. I don't care who it's influenced. It's all forgiven. Now, a world around us that's, that's hurting and, and has question after question after question about why don't I feel more saved? Why don't I feel more godlike? I would submit to you that the majority of that, the majority of time is we don't understand forgiveness. We don't understand how we've been, how deeply we've been forgiven and how deeply forgiveness can affect someone else's life through us, through our own forgiveness. I don't know what it is. If, if, if you're carrying and harboring guilt and the enemy says, no, not that, never that. Yeah, he'll forgive that and this, but never this. And he wants you to carry that around for the rest of your existence as a believer and think, okay, this is as good as it gets spiritually for me. No, it's not. The guilt, can, you can be freed from the guilt once you understand how, deep, how deeply you're forgiven by God. Here's the next question. <clears throat> Could it be that his effectiveness is because we need to forgive someone else? His effectiveness in guilting us into our own sin, into living defeated lives spiritually because of our own sin, our own past, our own inability to understand forgiveness. Could it be that he, that's, he is effective as he is at that because we need to forgive someone else? Uh, and you would say, but you don't know what they did to me. No, I don't. But I know God's forgiven it. Like, but they don't deserve it. They probably don't in your eyes and my eyes, but they do in his eyes. They deserve forgiveness. Their sin was just as validated at the cross as yours was. It was just as forgiven as yours was. Is it hard? <laughs> it's absolutely hard. Because as you sit here and say, but they don't deserve my forgiveness. Do you deserve God's? And you do, you do deserve forgiveness more than they do. See, when we start to see our own sin and our own brokenness, it breaks us. It breaks the power of the enemy in our life to say, you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. None of us are good enough. We're all broken, and we all need forgiveness. And we all stand 
unworthy of it day after day after day after day, week after week, decade after decade. Yet, here he is again and again and again and again to offer forgiveness over and over and over again. I'm going to tell you, this I am forgiven will change your world and the people around you. Once you, once you can, can dwell and, 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 and live the concept of that's forgiven, that's long been forgiven, and tomorrow is forgiven. And in fact, tomorrow has long been forgiven. And 20 years from now is forgiven. And in fact, 20 years from now has long been forgiven. If we can understand the concept of forgiveness, that it's complete and it's eternal and it's as deep as our sin is, deeper, and as wide as our influence is, wider. You understand forgiveness? We live in greater victory. Why? Because we learn to forgive ourselves and we learn to forgive others. Why? Because God's forgiven us. And who of us deserve it? We don't. They don't deserve it either. No, but we don't either. And the more we learn to forgive and offer forgiveness to someone else, I will tell you, it will free you up. It'll free your faith up. It'll free your testimony up. It'll free your life up. It'll free your attitude up to learn to forgive others that have wronged you as you learn to receive God's forgiveness as well. And sometimes that's even harder to say. I'll forgive them. How in the world can he forgive me? And he can, and he does. Um, we need to hear over and over, day after day, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. But that, yeah, that's forgiven too. That, yeah, that too. I'm forgiven. It's all been forgiven. We need to live as forgiven people. Not as people who live in defeat, who live in guilt, who live burdened, but live as forgiven people. It'll liberate our faith. It'll expand our witness and our testimony. God gets the glory out of both of those things. Let's pray.